I've taken the scripture Acts chapter 1. It's actually Acts chapter 1 verses 1 through 11. In the fact that Christ is risen indeed. The resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. And soon coming King. Is the single most important event in human history. I'm going to say that again. The resurrection of Christ is the single most important event in human history. Because if Christ did not rise from the dead, the plan of God for salvation, we would be most miserable. We would have no hope. We would have no eternity. We would do whatever man wanted to do in his own, in his own mindset. But because of the resurrection of Christ, my salvation is secure. Your salvation is secure. Because of the resurrection of Christ, I have life over death. You have life over death. Listen, this is not the end of the journey. This is only the beginning of our journey. Oh, amen. We live an entire lifetime doing what we can and trying to do good and trying to do good for mankind and trying to do good for our families and working hard and putting some up uh, for our latter golden years. But I will tell you this, uh, it's all about when we come to that place, wherever we step over that river Jordan. And he says, enter thou into the joys of the Lord, thou good and faithful servant. Thank God that we had an opportunity to get saved and get right. I appreciate Pastor Nathan this morning giving that invitation to say, listen, if you have anything in your heart, anything that you're dragging in here today, anything that, that is causing you, you don't have to leave with it because there's a resurrected Christ, amen, that is alive and well. And this life lived can be a life of victory. I will tell you this, I would much rather live on the side of salvation even if there was no such thing as salvation. Come on. I would rather live on the, the side of peace, amen. Sister Whitney and Brother Sean, Pastor Sean, they did the Bible uh, lesson this morning downstairs, and it was all about, about coming in peace. Oh, I like peace. How about you? I like a little conflict, too, every now and then. No, no. <laughs> uh, amen. How many of you know that this life that you live, are living today can be a life that's lived in joyous, overcoming, victorious, living, even today. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is a very wonderful scripture for today. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ Jesus. Think about that just for a moment. Without the resurrected Christ, our faith is futile. Think about that just for a moment. It's of no value. It's of no, no use. But because Christ risen from the grave, we now have faith. And it's fruitful. You're still in your sins if he did not rise from the dead. And those who have died and fallen asleep, they have no hope. But that's not the way the story ends. That's not the conclusion of the story. The story this morning is about a risen Savior. We sang the old song this morning. 
It's about a risen Savior, amen, who left the realm of glory. Think about this. Left the realm of glory, amen, in his glorified state as God. And he came to a sin-sick world. And he was willing to give his life so that you and I might be able to be redeemed, amen. Our names are in the Lamb's Book of Life. And to know that we know that we know that everything is right between us and God. Two obvious things just jump out at us. If Christ did not rise from the dead, our time today would be futile, a complete waste of time. In fact, I wouldn't even be here. And I don't think you would be either, unless you came to play bingo. You know? If Christ had not risen from the dead, amen, it would be a futile exercise of climbing that hill of redundancy every day. But second of all, if Christ rose from the dead, and he did, our time here today has great meaning, not only now, but also in the future. When this service comes to a close, and parents go out and pick up their children from the playground area, I, I got to tell you this morning, I'm, I'm excited. I'm happy. I am so happy. Uh, Sister Randy, I know this is very difficult. Nathan, run up here and get her a microphone real quick. She's got some news to share with you. She's got some news to share with you this morning. I don't know why we didn't have you do it earlier. I don't know, but this is perfect. Come on, Sister Randy. Come on, come on up here where they can see you. Oh my gosh. It's big stuff, guys. Listen, this is good stuff. It is good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to make me say it with no voice. But we got the first um, grant money in this week. They sent a really large check. So we spent their money and then they paid us back. So it's over they, $100,000. It is, $108,000. $108,000. And you got more coming. We got more coming. And more coming. And more coming. And more coming. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, won't, I won't do this whole message, but the Lord told me the other day that we are his power of attorney. Oh. And that we get to write his checks. We get to use his oh, time. We God. get to use his creative power. And if you'll just step out in faith. We'll do what he does, and Praise all we got to do is walk Praise in God. it. Amen. So everything, everything that we have done for Northside Assembly of God and upgrading everything, and you'll get to see the kitchen next Sunday night. It's it's in operation. They've got a they've got a. You know, please bear with me on this one here, but this is the good stuff. They've got a dishwasher down there that can wash dishes in about uh, two minutes. In fact, in fact, the company that Sister Randy was working and Sister Karen was working with to get all this equipment for us, I looked at the list and I said, man, that's overkill. Until I went down there and when it was in operation, it was underkill. It was just perfect. The man walked in from the company after it was all installed, after Nathan got the electricians and the plumbers and everything, and he just walked in, and he just stood there and looked, and he said, wow, wow. When I walked in there, I went, wow, 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 wow. Why did I bring that up? Because it's good news. 
We could all use a little good news, amen. So everything that we've, that we've done for the daycare and everything we've done for the gymnasium, bringing the gymnasium up speed, is now going to be paid for because we'll take a check right on over to the place that we got some money and pay it back, and we'll be right even. Praise God. I want to I talk to you this morning about seven infallible proofs according to Acts chapter 1. And to whom also he showed himself alive after his death by many infallible proofs. Praise God. This morning, I can report to you that Christ is still showing himself alive with many infallible proofs. Praise God. How many is glad to be here today? And like I say, this is a very uh, traditional Easter service, Easter sermon. But my prayer is that it will take logic in our mindset and in our hearts to understand exactly what a miracle it is for the resurrection of Christ. The first infallible proof is that of the tomb was empty. Mark 16, 6, when the women came to take care of the body of Jesus, to put on the perfume and the spices and prepare the body of Christ for the tomb burial for long term, they were met by heavenly beings who said, Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. Say that with me this morning. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. Behold the place where they laid him. This empty tomb speaks volumes. Yes, it is a fact, historical fact, that Jesus was crucified. There's more in the fact of Jesus being crucified than anything about Julius Caesar in uh, the history books. Yes, he was crucified. Yes, he died and was uh, executed on a cruel Roman cross. Yes, he died. He gave up the ghost. He gave up the spirit. Amen. He did die. Yes, he was laid in a borrowed tomb and Praise God, he only needed it for three days. Why invest in a tomb you don't need? And yes, he was here, but he's not here anymore. He's not here anymore, praise God. He is risen, amen. He is resurrected, amen. God the Father, amen, sent everything that needed to be done to get his son out of that grave, amen. Oh, we sing about it this morning, amen, because Christ came out of that grave, so can we come out of the grave of sin. Peter and John found the tomb to be empty. John chapter 20, verse 3 through 8. They came and they saw. They came and they looked around. They came to the tomb and they saw it was empty. And what is exciting is they believed what has been said to them that he is no longer there. What they do, they went back to the other disciples and said, he is not in that tomb. It's exciting because you see the Lord revealed himself to them very shortly after that. He didn't want them to be wandering and having conspiracy theories and wondering what happened to the body of Christ and everything. He just showed up, walked right through the wall, amen, and met with them and had a good time. Now, how would you like to have been in that meeting? For Jesus is to float right through the wall. You say, guys, I'm not dead. I'm here. 
The Romans and the Jewish leaders understood it. They knew the tomb was empty because they were part of the fact that they tried to uh, hide and cover up the fact that Jesus was not in the tomb. What happened to the body of Jesus? The Jewish leaders and the Romans, they got together with some of the Roman soldiers and it's estimated there was probably 24 soldiers assigned to guard the tomb. 12 to 24. And they said, you know what, let's just do this. Why don't we just concoct a story, now isn't this just like the government, concoct a story that says that his disciples came and stole his body and we don't know what happened. And, and then the, one of the soldiers probably said, well, how do we do that? Because we're trained killers. We're trained soldiers, amen. And we're not going to let a band of, of uh, disciples, fishermen, come and steal the body of, the, uh, of Jesus whenever Pilate put us in charge here. What are we going to do? They said, oh, we'll just say you went to sleep. You fell asleep. All right. Now, there's a problem with that. How could all 24 of them fall asleep at one time? <laughs> you know, Sister Blacker and I, when we were raising our kids, we'd get one to sleep and the other would be awake. <laughs> then the one that was awake go to sleep, and the one that was asleep, wake up. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. An impossibility, amen, to get, to get all 24 of those soldiers to go to sleep at one time. And they said, well... You know, we know that it's a, a capital offense if you're a soldier and, and you fall asleep on duty, you can be killed. They said, don't worry about it, we'll take care of it. We'll cover for you. Oh, okay, sure. You ever heard that from the government? We'll take care of you. So facts from the empty tomb are this. Pilate had the tomb sealed, placed a group of Roman soldiers to guard them, and if all the guards had fallen asleep, they would have been uh, probably possibly court-martialed and put to death themselves. And if they were asleep, how would they even know what was going on inside the tomb? And if the tomb, which was rolled away by the angel, amen, it had to make some noise. But the fact is, they couldn't explain it, so they didn't know what to do. But then Jesus began to show up and show himself alive with many infallible proofs. You see, here's the, here's the issue today. Skeptics have been trying to get Jesus back in the tomb. Unbelievers have been trying to get him back in the tomb. People who have no faith want to get him back in the tomb. Why? Because that's all the living religions that we have in our world today. Amen. Their, their founder or their God or a little G, whatever, they're still in the tomb. But not Jesus. We know where the Lord is at. He's at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you and you and you and me. And he's making plans to come back for the redeemed. Oh, I tell you, it's, it is a scary time if you don't know the Lord in the day that we're living in. When you got China on the move and you got Russia on the move and you got North Korea on the move. And if you turn on the television, amen, it'll scare, uh, it'll scare you, amen, it'll really scare you. However... When people say to me, can you believe the condition of the world? I say, no, I am relying on the word of God. For it says in 2 Peter chapter 3, that this world is kept in store, reserved unto the day of perdition of ungodly men by the word of Almighty God. In other words, God gave his word. He's keeping this thing going with his word. And whenever it's time, you're going to see me, if you're around me, go out of here. And you better be with me. You better. 
I don't want to stand before the Lord and have a bunch of folks from Northside Assembly not make it. Wouldn't that be, the, wouldn't that be something if, if Northside Assembly had 100% that made heaven? Wouldn't that be something? 100%. There's no reason not to. You see, they flounder at the facts. They struggle with the story. They contradict Calvary. They exclude the evidence. He is not here. He is risen. Come and see for yourself. I love it. Second infallible proof. There were eyewitnesses to his resurrection. Forty days, our Lord walked in shoe leather, showing himself alive with these facts. It's on the, it's on the screen. The disciples were in the upper room when Jesus revealed himself to them. Peter, he revealed himself to Peter. He revealed himself to his brother James. It said that he revealed himself to over 500 disciples. Jesus even cooked breakfast. Wouldn't you like to have been at that breakfast? Jesus cooked breakfast for the guys out fishing. He brought them off of the Sea of Galilee, and he, and he had a fire going, and, and he, was cooking, he was cooking fish and chips. Can you imagine what that tastes like? I guarantee you it wasn't burned. I am so glad to report to you that old brother Thomas came to, he came to eventually believe after he was able to touch the wounds of Jesus. But there's a very interesting fact in the scripture that is overlooked a lot. It's found in Matthew 27, 52 through 53. Think about this. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. Think about that. How many knew that was in the Bible? How many did not know it was in the Bible? And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. That didn't say the bodies arose. It said the saints, the redeemed, the born again. Oh, the blood-covered saints of God. Amen. And came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the city and appeared to many. Now, how would you like to have been to a funeral on Saturday and go to town on Monday and see the old boy that you just laid to rest. <laughs> Woo! Wouldn't that, wouldn't that stir things up, amen? Well, that would stir things up, amen. And I can't read it any other way except whenever the Lord resurrected from the grave, amen, there were some of the saints, amen, that their bodies just came out of the grave, amen, life came back into them, and they got up and walked out Walked into the city. Now, why would the Lord do that? Why would he mess up their day? Not the dead. They're now alive. But the people that come in and talk to them. To do what? You don't come up here and preach this message? Come on, that's good stuff, buddy. That's good stuff. Because you see, here's the deal. We're talking about evidence. We're talking about infallible proofs. Listen, I know that was Uncle Charlie. I know that was Uncle because I walked by and I looked at him in the casket. 
And I will tell you that the people who, who preached his uh, funeral, they shared how good of a man he was and how he loved the Lord and how he was a disciple and everything. And I know that was Uncle Charlie. And today on Monday, I know that that's Uncle Charlie walking around here. I guess I'll just move on. <laughs> so you're right. There's a lot of things that's right about this. It gives me encouragement in my spirit to say, Lord, listen, even though I've never seen a dead person come back to life again, even though I've never experienced that, I know that if you did that on your resurrection to have the saints, some of the saints of God come back to life, that means that when it's my time and you call me, I'm going to rise from the dead. Because it's possible, even though I don't understand it, even though I can't explain it, even though I don't know how it's all going to work out, but I do know this. This gives me encouragement to say, if you did it once, you can do it again. I say, be quick to believe. The women at the tomb believed. Peter and John believed. Many others believe, but there's always one who just struggles to be a believer. You heard have you ever run anybody? You ever run anybody that struggles to be a believer? Well, I just don't know if I can. I just don't know if I can believe that uh, Jesus came through a virgin birth. That don't happen. I just can't believe that He walked out on the on the balcony of the universe and spoke, and the worlds came into being. I just don't know if I can believe that on three days after He was crucified that He came back alive. I don't know. Well, you know what? Just take your unbelief and just keep on going, because it's not going to do you any good. It's going to harm you. Well, how can I do that? How can I believe? I can't even believe that God can save me, that he would want to save me. You see, it's through faith. Even if you don't see something, you still can believe. Jesus to John said, listen, there's going to be those that I'm going to bless, and that's you and I. We're going to bless, I'm going to bless them because they have not seen, and yet they still believe. Can you believe the word of God? Can you believe the, thus saith the word of God? I can I do it by faith. I've never seen a rapture, but I know that there's going to be one. I've never seen somebody come back from the dead, but I know it's possible. There's, there's occasions in the scripture that shares it. But why? It's all because that Christ was resurrected from that grave. He was resurrected from that tomb, and he did it for you and for me. So, as I was putting this message together and I was saying, boy, pretty elementary, Watson. I came to this slide. Evidence is infallible. First, don't miss Jesus, his first appearing. Because you see, Thomas wasn't there when Jesus showed up. I don't know what he was doing, but he was not with the disciples. And he lost out on that first occasion where Jesus just kind of walked right through the wall and ministered to the disciples. But Thomas wasn't there. When the Lord healed my feet in the hospital at the old uh, Cox North, amen, uh, that next morning whenever the doctor came in and he took the x-rays and threw it at me and 
didn't understand what was going on, and, and the, the guy that was, there was two guys, there's three of us in the room, two of them were in beds like this, and I was over here, I was looking right at both of them. I had captive audience to preach to them. I didn't have to preach to them because the Lord just came and, and healed us all, except the guy that had cancer, and he took the pain away from him, but he died of cancer. But anyway, when the doctor came in, the, the backslid Baptist boy, he said, uh, the doctor said, what's going on in here? And he said, well, Jesus came last night. And he said, well, how did he come? He come through the door of the window. Of the room. That backslid Baptist boy had his bags packed, his clothes on. He had unhooked every one of the uh, things that you have hooked up to you. You know, he had fallen off a hundred foot cliff and rolled down a cliff. And God healed him. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the power of God came into that room. There was people laid up in the, lined up in the hallway praying. And, and uh, old brother Maxwell, his wife, told me later, she said, we were afraid to even come close to the room. There was a power, there was a presence in there. I'm nothing special. But I know that the Lord healed my feet. He healed my body, amen. And the doctors didn't understand it. And you know what? They're not designed to understand some of that stuff. If you wonder why that I'm preaching the gospel today, it's because of that time that the Lord came into that hospital room and healed my body. And then he, he just told me something real simple. He said, just go tell people how good I've been to you. Just go tell people how good I've been to you. I wasn't making resumes to get a church. I wasn't planning on being a pastor. But I got to telling people how good God had been to me. Oh, and people started responding, amen. Oh, it felt so good. And the next thing I know, I'm working with my dad and my mom, amen, uh, as a janitor. Tell it like it is. Amen. I, I'm, I'm one of them that came from the bottom up. And the next thing I know, I got the best church in Springfield. And I still want to just tell people how good God has been to me, but also how good he's been to you. Listen, if that didn't get your excitement going on the inner man, the strength of the inner man, what Sister Randy just shared, then you, your, your liker's broke. Your enthusiasm's broke. Amen. We got $108,000 in the mail last week. And I asked Sister Randy, I said, Sister Randy, did you read the fine print? Do we have to pay it back? She said, the fine print says we don't have to pay it back. Now, this is going out all over America today. I'm sure we're recording it. It's going to all of my relation and your relation and friends and people who don't even know us. But let me tell you what. God said he'll build his church. And he'll take care of his church. Somebody asked me one time, they said, Pastor, what do you think about the lottery? What if I won the lottery? Would you take tithes off the lottery? I said, well, I said, let me explain it to you like this. The devil's had that money long enough, amen. You better believe we'll take it, amen. Woo! Yes, guy. Don't miss God on the first go-round because there's no second go-round in the rapture. I have no idea, Sister Randy, how that all ties together, but 
just excited, amen. Miracle is that Jesus is, is still showing himself alive. He's still touching, and he's still making believers. Third infallible proof. The disciples were willing to give their life rather than deny the resurrection of Christ. I don't know of anybody that's willing to lay down their life and give their life for something that they think is a fraud, for something that they think is not true. But because these disciples had walked with Jesus and they had talked with Jesus and he had laid hands on them and he had broken bread with them, amen, and showed himself alive, amen, they were willing to go to the martyr's bench rather than deny Christ Jesus. Paul preached Jesus alive, the creator of life, the conqueror over death, the conversion of salvation, and the coronation of eternal life. Now, you know, you will have your foundational experience in your salvation. Mine was going off of a construction roof and breaking both of my heels and God healing them. You will have your foundational experiences. But when you have a relationship with Christ, when he takes you out of the miry clay, come on, church. I don't think somebody's hearing me this morning. When he takes you out of the miry clay and he puts you on a solid rock to stay and he changes your mindset and he changes your heart and he changes your direction where you're headed, he turns you around, amen. He takes you 360 and turns you around and takes you towards life. You're going to get excited. You're going to serve the Lord with passion. And these disciples were no different. They would rather go and have their head cut off, have them boiled in oil, have them uh, uh, put on uh, upside down and crucified, beaten and stoned to death, than to deny Christ. I love the disciples' deaths here on the next slide. Peter was crucified, but he said, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord, so crucify me upside down. If we can go that down. There we go. Andrew was crucified. Thomas was speared by soldiers. Philip was cruelly put to death. Matthew was stabbed to death. Bartholomew, we don't know for sure how he died, but we know that it was a it was a tremendously cruel way that he died. James was stoned and clubbed to death. And Simon the zealot was killed for refusing to worship a sun god. And Matthias was burned alive. He was the one that replaced Judas. Only John is the one out of martyrs, Fox's martyr, books of martyrs for the disciples that is recorded that he was not put to death cruelly with a crucifixion. Or an execution. And I got to thinking about it. I thought, Lord, why was John not in the others? And he just came so sweetly to me. I felt like the Spirit said, because I chose John to take care of my mother. I chose John to take care of my mama. And I had to put him in a place of security. So I put him on the Isle of Patmos. 
Which is something very interesting to me is because if you read the book of Revelation, you will find that John in the end, he says there's no sea that is separating him. There's nothing that's holding him on that island. Because when he was there in the natural, there was a sea that went all the way around. If you look it up on the map, but that sea was gone, giving him access to walk freely. Think about that just for a moment. It is recorded that he died of old age. Fourth infallible proof. The disciples and followers of Christ witnessed supernatural moments with Jesus. You know, I, uh, I, I've often wondered what it would be like to just be able to spend some one-on-one -on -one time with Jesus in that time frame. We get to spend time with the Lord. I mean, I'm telling you, this morning when we went downstairs and the lights were turned down and the music was on that big old screen TV, God was coming into that place and he was touching our hearts and lives, getting us, getting us ready for this morning. It was an incredible presence of the Lord. Yeah, we get our times together with the Lord, with the Spirit of God. But I've often wondered, what would it be like to have walked with Jesus in shoe leather? To be right there by him. You know, we, we see the chosen, uh, the, the film, the chosen, it's really great and everything. But it's a man trying to interpret it. Does a pretty good job. Can you imagine whenever Jesus spit on the ground and made some mud? If I'm a disciple and I'm standing there looking at it, I'm going, uh, I don't think this is really the best way to do that. Put some mud in his eyes. And then said, go, wash. Go down there and dip. Clean it. And he came back seen. Wow. When he told him, he said, all you unbelievers, get out of the room, amen. We're going to ask the Lord, amen. We're going to pray, amen. Ask God in heaven, amen, to raise this little girl up. And all of a sudden, she gets up and says, Mama, I'm hungry. I want to go outside and jump rope. I don't know. Can you imagine Peter when he went down to collect a fish? The Lord told him, he said, go get a fish. All Peter had to do was just kneel down on the bank. And I say it was a goldfish. It wasn't no catfish. It had to be a big old, big old goldfish. And Peter's kneeling down there and He's probably take a little of that water and splash it on his face, you know, and maybe he took a little rock and skimmed it across there, and all of a sudden he sees this fish swimming right up to him. Now, I've learned a couple things in life. Number one, cats don't come to you unless you're really good to the cat, and you've been good to the cat for a long time. You, I, have you ever seen a homeless person with a leash on a cat? <laughs> Ain't going to happen. <laughs> Oh, come on, have a little fun this morning. You know. He does, he made me. <laughs> and see that fish start swimming right up to Peter? How many of you know how you handle a fish as a fisherman? It's really unique. You stick your thumb and your hand in its mouth. And you clamp down on it and you raise it up. 
Shake all the water off. No. I don't know how that fish came to Peter, but it came directly to Peter. And Peter picked up that fish. It's almost like that commercial of the guy who's got his family out on the boat. And a big old goldfish comes up there and he starts to shake all the gold coins out. <laughs> anyway. Somehow, there was a coin in that fish's mouth. Enough to pay their taxes. Oh, praise God that April 15th is right around the corner. Can you imagine what Peter thought? I know if I was Peter, I know what I'd do. I'd go back the next day and fish again. I love this one here. The disciples witnessed the ascension of Christ. What does that mean? The Lord told his disciples, Tarry until you be in filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then he began to just gravitate and lift off. Now, most scholars believe that at the rapture it's going to be in the twinkling of an eye, and one moment we'll be here, the next moment we will be in the presence of the Lord. This particular moment, the Lord wanted, God in heaven wanted everybody to know, they didn't want it a figment of their imagination, they didn't want it to have anything other than the fact that they could watch Jesus slowly lift off. And they gazed. I mean, I'd be looking too. Right on up. You've seen the portraits. Jesus' hands out. Going up. We did a Christmas play here one time. And Brother Ronnie Luttrell fixed us up a way that we could lift off right here. It was a big half forklift that run off a, a half inch drill. And we put all kinds of cotton around it where you couldn't see it. We had one of them fog machines. You could make fog. And uh, I can't even remember the name of, the, of Jesus that day. But uh, anyway, we had him up there on it. And when the time came, we fogged up the place. and Hit that half-inch drill, and here he goes. He just stepped right on into the baptistry. Remember that, Ronnie? Well, that's not the way Jesus went. He didn't go with half his drill. He rose. And as he went up to the first cloud, amen, they're still watching him. And angels came to those men and said, Why are you men gazing up into heaven? For this same Jesus, as you see go up, is going to come again in like manner. And I'm going to paraphrase it. Now, go do what he said for you to go do. Go get filled up with the presence and the power of the baptism. And boy, did they ever. And changed the world. Fifth infallible proof is your salvation and my salvation. I know what I was before I got saved, and I know what I am after I got saved. And I like the after being saved better than the before being saved. When you know that your sins are forgiven, 
Even the tough sins. Even the rough sins. When your life is transformed, you're filled with the peace of God, living in victory through Christ. When you know that you know that you know that God has done a work in your life and you are no longer the same. In 1930, a Russian leader was going to lecture on atheism. He stood before a group of men, a large group of men, and he went on and on and on to ridicule Christianity. At last he finished and asked if anyone had a question. And one solitary man stood up. He approached the speaker and he said, uh, do I have permission to come up on the, on the lectern here and share what I want to share? And the guy said, sure, not knowing what he's going to say. He stood where the communist had lectured on atheism, ridiculed Christianity. And this man, very boldly, he just walked up where the pulpit was at, the lectern. He threw his shoulders back, lifted his head up high. And he said, he is risen. And the entire group of men in that congregation, they said, he is risen indeed. I don't know if that's where that came from or not. I think it was from the disciples. He's risen indeed. And I thought, Lord, give us that kind of boldness. That you are our witness. In what you've done for us. Ain't nobody going to take it away from me. Because my experience is my experience. Ain't nobody going to take away your experience. Because your experience is your experience. Six infallible fruit. Did you like my English? I'll just blame it on Ozarkian language. Six infallible proof. Jesus keeps his promises. Think about that. I will tell you that even the best intentions of man, man sometimes do not, they do not keep their promises. But Jesus keeps his promise every single time. The word of the Lord is his bond. The word of the Lord is his promise to us. He said you can receive the Holy Spirit. You can be ready for the return of Christ. You can enjoy your journey as you are on your journey towards heaven. Help as many people as you can along the journey. Because the Bible says in John chapter 6, He gives power to those who will believe. Now the last seventh infallible proof is most important. I hope you like my little rapture slide. When I got through with the PowerPoint, and I was all ready and everything, and then I realized that I didn't have the seventh infallible proof. And I said, Lord, what's the seventh one? He said, how about the rapture? Now, if I ever listen to listen, if I ever get to hear the audible voice of God, I'm going to record it so we can play it on a Sunday. <laughs> it's an inner peace speaks from the inside. And so I said, that's good, Lord. I think I'll just put that down. Now I need a slide. And I went to 
Yahoo Images. I backed off the word image and I put in there, rapture ready. And this is what showed up. I hit my little insert button, put it in my file, went back to the file, opened up the file, inserted it into the PowerPoint, and voila. <laughs> Brother Brian does such an incredible job doing the PowerPoints. But I've still got Windows, I think, uh, I'm not for sure, maybe Windows 0, Windows 3, Windows 2. <laughs> <laughs> I, had a, I had a teenager teach me it and so I you know I just use it I think it's I've been updated to Windows 10 uh, hallelujah getting, getting there how many know Jesus is coming soon are you rapture ready are you grave empty and ready I know you are Praise God. If you have just recently given your heart and life to the Lord, would you stand? Just recently, maybe the last three years. I want to I give you a word of encouragement. You know what God has done for you in changing your life. But you're just starting. You're just beginning your journey. And every day that you step out in the last three years, I'm sure it's been a struggle and, and, and a fight. It is if you've been, say, for 50 years. But every day that you serve the Lord, I guarantee you, I promise you, that God's word will never fail you, that what he says is true, it's gospel, and he's going to show himself alive in your life more and more and more and more. My prayer for you is that God will show you miracles. Wouldn't it be something? If you prayed for somebody and the Lord healed them, that's your, that's your right. As a born-again believer, it is your right to have a word of wisdom to be able to share with somebody. I, I shared a word that came to me this last week with somebody this morning, and, and I, I, I honestly and truly believe that each and every one of us, every now and then, we need a word from somebody that's in tune with God. We need a word, amen, that will help somebody, amen. Don, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I guess I am. Would you come up here real quick? Pastor Nathan, come up here and get her a mic. Boy, I might get in trouble on this. Come on up here and let, let your brother get you a microphone. Can you... Would you, without revealing anything that you can't reveal, tell just a little bit about what happened to you with this young lady? Uh, give her a microphone if, she, if you would, please. I'm so happy you're able to be in church today instead of up there at that hospital. Good morning. Good morning. Whew, yeah, Lord, cover me that I don't get in trouble. Well, just uh, don't, don't, <laughs> get, don't get in line with the camera. Don't. Yeah. Well, 
deeper, I've been asking the Lord a question for myself and my life, and I've just been like, Lord, what do you want me to do? I know that you've called me to do something, and I just really need some clarification, and so I've just been really meditating with the Lord on that, and I just came out of my craziest work schedule where I didn't complain, but they put me on for too many 12-hour shifts, plus the nighttime call, and I made, made it through it. But I was called down to the ICU to do an exam on a really young girl. I mean, just barely an adult. And she was in a head-on collision, and her femur snapped out, her arm snapped, her wrist, just about every bone in her body was broken. And the nurse said, make sure you don't touch that side of her body because we can only fix so much in one day of surgery. So all of that is still broken. So I was left alone with her for about 30 minutes in a room, and I was just scanning her heart, and I could feel the presence of the Lord in the room. It was so strong, and I just was like, Lord, I know you have something for this young girl, because she's still here. You know, she's broken, but she's still here, and her face was intact, and she just had a scab on her nose, and the mom walked in, and I just looked at her, and she was my age, and I said, I'm praying for you. And she goes, we just came from the salvage yard. There's nothing left of the car. She's like, she should be dead. And I was like, well, I'm believing that big things are going to happen for her. And I just turned my machine off, and, and I left the room that day. And I didn't know, but for days I prayed for this young girl. And I just wondered what's going to happen to her. And I was in the clinic, total opposite from the hospital on a shift. And I was doing a girl who just got cancer. And I said, you're going to beat it. And she goes, I already have authority over it. I'm going to beat it. She goes, but she goes, could you pray for my best friend's daughter? She's in the ICU. And I couldn't tell her that I knew anything. And I just said, can you tell me what happened to her? And she said, it's incredible. She woke up. She's fine. She has her personality. But she said that she had an encounter with God. She was headed down the wrong road. And God had to stop her. And so she's given all the praise to the Lord today, even though she's got a long road of recovery. But it was bigger for me that God let me know the story. And he let me know the ending of it because I could have easily never have known. And just like Dad's saying, we've got to tell the story. We've got to tell how good God is. And I was thinking back just what Pastor said, you know, go tell people how good God's been to you. And so that's been on my heart recently. So, amen. Thank you, sweetheart. Well, we're giving the kids just a little extra time. It's 12.10. But don't be a bystander. Be quick to tell people what God has done for you. Would you stand with me all over this congregation, please? Lord, once again, I just want to personally say thank you for the privilege of preaching this traditional Easter Sunday service. And I want to pray a prayer of blessing upon this great congregation. Lord, as we did alter today, time, and if somebody feels numb or they, they, they just are hurting today, that right where we're standing right now are sitting. Dear Lord, you can take care of it. You can move us in that direction. We thank you, Lord, for those opportunities 
that we have experienced your resurrection with an infallible proof. Lord, continue until the day you come to use us, to use us in a very special and powerful way.